Just before I begin, I want to say thank you again to uh, Garth publicly for all the work that he did this week. I sent out an, uh, uh, an email to the elders, and the title was, This Church Reeks. Wow. Last, last summer, we had a church without power, and now a stinky church. What's going on? It's the building. It's not the people, right? Right? You knew that. It's a church building, a facility, and it takes a lot of work to maintain, and it's good and it's useful. It's a tool. It's not an end in itself. But we really appreciated uh, everyone who helped out, and the smell is getting better. If you want to know what it really smelled like, um, you could have stood right in front of that plastic thing, that, that exhaust that Garth rigged up to... It was remarkable. We didn't know if something had died and what and where. Anyway, um, God's putting everything back together. That's his business. Um, but anyway, I just want to say that it's, it's quite an interesting, it's uh, never a dull moment at Elam Chapel. Hopefully by next week, this church will not reek. And that's good. Because God wants us to have a good aroma, a good smell. Um, it's funny how dogs kind of identify. It's one of the first things a dog does. They checks out smells, and that's kind of what people are too. They're, they're not as blunt about it, but, but we sense, okay, is this a good place? Is this a safe place? Do I fit in here? What will this be like? And God wants us as a church family to give off a good aroma, a healthy aroma, that's attractive and inviting and is just real. There's authenticity. I hope that you never feel like you have to put on a mask when you come to Elam or pretend to be something that you're not to fit in. I hope you never feel that way. It can be very tempting because it's a human thing. We all want to desperately fit in. But God's not calling us to do that. God's calling us to be who we are because he's in the process of putting us back together, right, in Jesus. And so we are all in process. Some may be a little further down the road than others, but we're all in process. One of the challenges I find, um, well, let me rewind a little bit. Uh, Ever since I was a pastor, all I've ever really wanted is a working photocopier. Praise God, we have that. Uh, That'll tell you a little bit about some of the ministries I've been involved in. But to have a photocopier that works is beautiful. The other thing I thought it would always be cool to have, a church sign. But with great um, privilege comes great responsibility, right? And we have a responsibility with that sign out there in Portage Avenue to use it well and to use it creatively. So sometimes I admit that I'm a, a little bit... Um, anxious about what to put up because you want it to be challenging, you want it to be truthful, but you definitely don't want it to be cheesy or offensive. So this week, uh, we put this up on the church sign. Why pray when you can worry? Now think about that. Henry, you had a few comments, didn't you, this week? What kind of things were people saying, Henry, about this sign? It should be reversed, isn't, isn't it? Why worry when you can pray? Yeah, that's what the Christian slogan is. And there's a little kid's song that may be going through some of your heads right now. Don't worry, I won't sing it to you. 
Why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus, he'll be your... Don't be a doubting Thomas, trust fully in his promise. Why worry, 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 worry when you can pray? Now you've got an earworm. But the reason I put this up here, why pray when you can worry, first of all, it gets people's attention. And secondly, it... I, I, you know how I often start sermons off with a confession? Well, here's my confession. Often I worry before I start praying. And the reason I chose this passage to preach on this morning is that uh, there have been a few mornings recently. I used to have a lot more insomnia, and now I tend to sleep better. But there have been a couple of mornings in the last couple of weeks where I've been awake at four-ish, but not getting back to sleep. And after a while... Now, this never happens to anyone else here, so I know I'm the exception of the rule. But after a while, things start circulating in my head and issues. And I'm not fully awake enough to say, no, 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 I can do something about that. But they're just awake enough that it nags and keeps me awake and keeps stimulating. And all of a sudden, I find I'm worrying. And it's really embarrassing to admit, here I am worrying. And I was the guy who came up with this saying to put on the church sign. Duh. And then I say, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. Okay, and I'll start praying about these things. And it's not just self-therapy or self-talk. You're actually talking to the creator of the universe who can actually do something about the issues that I'm struggling with. But God is not the genie in the lamp, obviously. We don't rub him to say the magic words to manipulate him, to make him say things. He's a loving father that we can trust with the stuff in our lives. That's what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. It's contained in Matthew chapter 6. And to start it off, it's really important to read the Bible in context. You know what I mean? You can, you can rip a verse out of context in the Bible and make it mean almost anything you want. So before I start talking about don't worry, I wanted to back up a little bit and read the previous verse, just to get it in context. Here's Jesus talking to this huge crowd that were attracted to him and just so intrigued with this guy who who preached with power and authority and he healed people and he did miracles and people just wanted to get next to him and figure out what he was going to do next for a variety of reasons. But here's what Jesus... um, This is what we call a come-to-Jesus moment. He's giving them a come-to-Jesus moment very bluntly, saying, no one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Now, that's a really popular thing to say, isn't it? That's going to make them, you know, huge numbers of followers are going to say, you can't serve God and money. But he just lays it out there because he knows that so many of us feel insecure about stuff and material things. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have. Someone asked one of the Rockefellers, John Rockefeller, how much money does it take? This is a multimillionaire, a billionaire by today's standards. How much money does it take to make someone happy? And Rockefeller said, just a little more. Ouch. So Jesus is starting off saying, hey, you can't serve two masters. It's either God or money. Make your choice. Then he says, with that attitude, after you decide who you're going to serve, 
if you're going to follow God. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Pop quiz, audience participation time. What kind of things do people worry about? What kind of things? Pardon? Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Health. Right. The weather. The weather happens every day, but come on. Uh, yeah, the weather. Sorry, what else? I'm sorry? Food and shelter. Yeah, real basic things, yeah. Kids. I'm sorry? Yes. Anything else? Safety. We can worry about all kinds of things, right? Yes, Amanda. Right. So your security, yeah? We can worry about all kinds of things. Sometimes we can even worry about, am I worrying too much? Or should I be worried? Maybe I'm not worrying enough. And we just tie ourselves into all kinds of knots. And what Jesus is trying to say here, and this isn't just a platitude. This is something that I really hope we can go home with today. We've got a choice. We either pray or we worry. Now, it's not my goal, my intention, to make everyone feel guilty for not praying enough today. That's not helpful. But can I encourage us to keep some perspective? God says we serve either stuff or God. You know, if we get that straightened out, if God's our Father, if He's our boss, if He's our Lord, then we can trust Him. Are we really ready to trust Him when things get challenging? Because Jesus is teaching outside, I would love to do that. Teach in a big field. Maybe we can get as much feedback. I don't know. We need a killer sound system, but Jerry, we could do that, right? Pre- okay, thanks, Jerry. Mr. Flexible, I love this guy. Anyway, Jesus is preaching under the field, and he's naturally looking around and saying, and some of his audience, I'm sure, were looking at squirrels and birds anyway, like myself included. Look at the birds. You know, God's looking after them. Look at the flowers. You know, God's looking after them. Aren't they more important than you? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. He's referring to Solomon because in the Old Testament, Solomon was this really, really wealthy king. Israel was at the peak of its height and popularity and power at that time, and all kinds of other monarchs were coming and consulting Solomon because he was so wise and bringing him gifts from all over the known world. Solomon Solomon was loaded. by Again, by today's standards, he would have been a billionaire. He was just loaded. But even Solomon, in all his glory, wasn't dressed like one of these wildflowers. So it doesn't matter if you make it on GQ's best dress list or not. 
you can't outdo one of God's wildflowers. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, gone tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? I don't have a thing to wear. Don't worry about that. For the pagans, the people who don't follow Jesus, the people who aren't awake to God, do they walk after these things? Do you know what they do? They run. Major look. They run after all these things. And your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. People are desperate for these things. They're obsessed with these things. How do I look? Does this shirt make me look fat? No, your body makes you look fat. Okay, I'll try a different size. I said shirt, not dress, okay? You know why. But all these things, we obsess over all these things and needing things. And it's true, like was said, many, many folks in our city just worry about basic food and shelter. Your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. Worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. That's the problem with worrying. It takes up so much of our headspace, so much of our internal energy. We keep cycling over and over and over and over again. And it never seems to end. It's like if you leave something in the dryer. You ever wash a pair of running shoes in the dryer and they go thump, 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 thump. Well, we've got a choice. We can either let this stuff cycle around in our minds or we can say, Papa, all this stuff I'm going to commit to you. When Luann and I were first married, someone gave us some very wise advice. She said, when you have worries and concerns, what she did, she uh, would write them down on a piece of paper and she put them in a shoebox under her bed. And, on, and labeled on the shoebox, she wrote, in God's hands. So you write it down, you admit that it's real, you admit that it's reality, and you put it somewhere, you mentally put it somewhere and commit it to God. Now, what happens when the notes sneak out of the shoebox and they pitter-patter across the floor in the middle of the night and try to get into your head? What do you do? Back in the box. You say, no, Lord, I already committed that to you. Back in the box. It might sound simple, but it's not easy. Sorry. If you want simple, come to Rick. If you want easy, no. (laughs) But that's what we have to do. We have to keep committing these things to God. That's why Jesus said, seek his kingdom. Seek God's kingdom. Seek his, his priorities. That's what it means. And his righteousness. Go hard after that. Lean into God, okay? And he'll lean into you. All these things will be given to you as well. Why? Because your Heavenly Father knows what we need. He knows. 
I don't know if you have any experience with a, a trustworthy earthly father. I don't know any perfect earthly fathers. Hopefully, you have someone in your life, some kind of stable adult in your past history, to show you, give you an idea what a loving God is like. And if you don't, God, the Creator, very much wants to show you what He is like and reveal His heart to you. But when we put His kingdom first, when we chase after Him, when we say, No, God, I want you to be number one, you're the boss and we pursue that, all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Right? Each day has enough trouble of its own. So why make more? Why make more for ourselves? Here's a solution to worrying from Philippians chapter 4. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Let's just pause that right there. These verses are from the the message, Eugene Peterson's version, and I love the way he does this. He says, if you've got worries flying around in your head, then let these prayers, shape, shape your worries into prayers. Lord, I'm not sure if I can make the rent next month. Whew. Okay. Please, I trust you to provide that I can make the rent next month. Lord, I'm not sure if I'm going to make payroll next month for my business. God, my business is yours, and I give it over to you. You see how it is? That's how it works. Now again, you're not talking, we're not dealing with Aladdin's lamp here right now, okay? But we can trust the Father to provide in His wisdom and His timing for what we need. So let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Now why do we have to pray? If God knows everything, why can't He just read my mind? Of course He can. It's good for us to express our need for God because we grow in dependence upon our Father. We build spiritual muscles, like the pipes there. That's, that's what we do when we pray, when we trust God. Letting God know your concerns before you know it. And this is true. This, this really happens. As we take these worries, we shape them into prayers and lift them to the Father. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I was talking to somebody about, about this before the service. You know, when Jesus is the center of your life, everyone's full of something, right? So you can be full of worry or you can be full of Jesus. We've got a choice. We have a choice. If it's not worth praying about, is it worth worrying about? Maybe that's a question we should go home and ask ourselves this week. If it's not worth praying about, is it worth worrying about? Okay? Let me see if we can get this right. Why worry when you can pray, right? 
Is that how it's supposed to go? Let's commit this to God. I'm sure everyone came in here carrying something. This is a great opportunity to leave it behind, to invite Jesus to be the center of our lives, not worry. It may not change your circumstances, may or may not, but it will change your attitude. It will give you strength to cope whatever circumstances you are in. Okay? And that's what walking with Jesus is all about. Let's do this. Heavenly Father, we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for birds and flowers that you care about. We're a lot more important than the birds and flowers, so we know that you'll provide what we need. Father, we confess our fear and lack of faith and uh, our need to control things ourselves. Lord, we surrender to you. We commit ourselves to you today. And for all the folks who came in here carrying stuff, I pray that you would help us to leave it here with you. And we invite Jesus into the center of our lives to displace worry. As our loving Father, we commit all this to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.